It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 378 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, September 13th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. we got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke, and a bunch of other hosts from across the network filling in on the daily uh, installments of that show. Today, David was on with Ben Golliver talking about the top 100 list for SI. Uh, so if you're interested in that kind of thing, make sure you're checking that out. And if you're an NFL fan, if you're uh, locked on, if you're a college fan, we have locked on shows for you as well. If you want to check out the latest for a NFL team that you're particularly interested in, whether it's the Packers, you want to hear about Aaron Rodgers, make sure you're checking out Locked On Packers. Uh, and if you're a college fan, there is a college sports locked on show for you. Most likely, uh, we have a lot of programs launched so far. I think a couple more still need to be launched, but for the most part, all the major programs have locked on shows covering them. So if that's your bag, make sure you're checking that out, finding a host that you like. And if you find a show that you like on the network, please subscribe, rate, and review. It's the best way to support the shows, including this one, Locked on Raptors. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places you get your podcasts. And as, as I've said a million times, it's very, very helpful and easy and a lovely way for you to show your support for the show, considering it's a free show. I don't ask for much, and I would very much appreciate it if you would leave just a quick couple words and a five-star review on the on the iTunes page. It's very, very helpful. Um, so thanks in advance for doing that. All right, on today's show, it's a solo show for me today. I'm going to do a mailbag. i got a bunch of questions in today. Some pretty good ones, too. It's uh, been a while since I did a mailbag one, and we kind of saved up some good, some good questions. So uh, let's get into it here. Question number one, Justin Rowan, uh, our pal at Cavs Anada. Tristan Thompson and Kyle Korver for Norm Powell and CJ Miles. Would you like it, and would it cause Horford to have an uncontrollable breakdown? Uh, I don't think I would like it. I like Kyle Korver just fine. Uh, he's obviously the best shooter of the bunch here and is much better than CJ Miles is like a reliable guy you can kind of build offensive sets for, but I don't really think the Raptors have much use for Tristan Thompson. I think, yes, he destroys Al Horford, and if you're looking at a potential Boston series down the road, then that'd be nice to have him as that little antidote to Al Horford, but I just, I'm not sure the Raptors need any more bigs. I think they're all good. I think Having Greg Monroe is nice. He's not going to play a ton, I don't think, but he's a nice bit of insurance and depth uh, in the case of an injury or poor play from somebody. And I like CJ Miles and Norm Powell. I think one of those guys is going to... Those are the two guys who seem to be kind of on the outside of the rotation looking in at this point. I think CJ will be on the bench mob, but I think he's going to see his minutes cut quite a bit because... I think the Raptors are going to go small quite a bit with Danny Green and Kawhi and OG, and I think CJ is going to get kind of squeezed out there, especially if we see DeLon Wright get a lot of minutes of the two, same with Fred and Kyle and all that stuff. They go two point guards all the time. I can see CJ's minutes really getting hit. And, I, you know, so Powell and CJ seem to be the guys on the outside right now, but 
I would not be shocked if one or both of those guys does more than we expect this season. I think Powell has a chance to, if he gets a, you know any opportunity, like to kind of just kind of redeem himself a little bit. I don't know. I don't think he's as bad as he was last season. He had a lot of good defensive upside last season and nice defensive performances despite the offense not being there. I'm not giving up on Powell yet. And I think CJ, just as a shooter, is very nice to have. And in the playoffs, it was really nice against the, the Wizards in particular to have his shooting out there in some of the moments of the series where they really blew it open. So I would rather have those two. I know Kyle Korver is awesome and is terrifying, but I uh, would rather have Powell and CJ over him and Tristan Thompson. Next question here comes from Joseph Nardone. Uh, this one is going straight from my heart. What's the fondest memory of the Omar Cook era in Toronto? I Or what's my fondest memory of the Omar Cook era in Toronto? So Omar Cook, if you haven't been paying attention, I've been doing my Ranking Every Raptors series on Raptors HQ, where I'm ranking every Raptor to have played for the team in history. That's 218 guys, plus Kenny Anderson and Alonzo Mourning. Um, and Omar Cook is yet to be rated. I'm through 100 players right now. I've gone through, I'm at 120 now. That's going to be the start of the next post on Monday. And Omar Cook still hasn't been ranked, and Omar Cook no one cares about, but I love Omar Cook because I really enjoyed his like two weeks of work at the end of the 0405 season in which I thought for sure he was the point guard of the future because I'm a dumb idiot. Um, so yeah, my fondest memory, I think I've talked about this game before, it's the last game of that 0405 season, and Omar Cook had like 19 points and I think 10 assists or something like that. Um, I have to look up the exact box score to have the correct numbers, but I, he, I was just totally enamored with Omar Cook for some dumb reason and I hinged a lot of hopes to him and never saw him again so that is my highest memory I'll talk more about Omar Cook in ranking every Raptor coming up just a disclaimer right now if I sound like I'm out of breath it's because I am I ate an ice cream cone about 20 minutes before recording this thing and I'm gonna die uh, so apologies if I have to take a little breaths for or little breaks for gasping breaths after a long run on sentences uh, next one here comes from Eric Morris at Epic Moppus I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. If I go to a Raptors game this year, should I go to Memphis, Charlotte, or Atlanta? Uh, he went to Charlotte last season and had a great time, even though he watched Malachi Richardson play most of the fourth quarter. I think this one's pretty easy for me. It's Memphis. Like The Atlanta Hawks are the most talent-poor team in the entire NBA, I think. I don't think they're going to be interesting. Trey Young maybe will be fine. I'm not particularly interested in the Trey Young experience just yet. And like John Collins, cool. Like everyone has a John Collins to get excited about. And the Hornets just make me really sad. Memphis, I think, would be kind of fun this season. And like Jaron Jackson was awesome in Summer League. He looks like he's going to be a real player. Like Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley, when they're healthy, are very good and very nice players to go watch. And I just think the Grizzlies of all these teams are going to be the best. Maybe they won't make the playoffs at West, but I do think they'll be the best of these three teams. Excuse me. They're the best of these three teams. And I think Memphis also wins when you factor in the schedule as well because... Uh, looking through it, I mean, I'm just ruling out Atlanta. Don't go to Atlanta to watch the Hawks play. That arena is sad, and yes, they have Sir Foster on the organ, but other than that, like, I just don't think it's worth the $4 it's going to take to get into the game. With the Hornets, like I said, if you went to the Hornets last year, like, I think that already sort of skews Memphis. You should go to see Memphis instead. Um, but just based on the schedule, the Raptors play the Hornets only one time in Charlotte this season. And it's like the fourth last game of the year in April. Third last game, Friday, April 5th. That's going to be a meaningless game. They're going to be locked up. That's going to be more Malachi Richardson time. I would rather go see the the Memphis Grizzlies game is, I think, November 27th. So early in the season, you get a good look at Kawhi early on. This will be, you know, an early chance to see the team in the first month or so, but not too early. So you're seeing, like, through the growing pains of, 
you know, working in Kawhi and all that stuff. So I just think November 27th against Memphis, Eric, you're going on a damn trip, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, also from Eric, question number two from him. If I get a Raptors jersey, uh, quote, or brackets, I'm too fat and poor for an actual jersey. Shouts to you, my dude. I also am like like that. Uh, who should I get? Kawhi's too obvious. And an OBC Akam, Jonas, Fred Van Vliet. This is a tough one. I'm a big uh, proponent of jerseys. I have a Terrence Ross jersey, and I, I'm like... Pretty conservative when it comes to my jersey purchasing advice because it can really backfire on you. And I've paid the price dearly with many a jersey in the past. Like some of the jerseys I have, I have a uh, Jose Reyes Blue Jays jersey that ended up terribly because Jose Reyes is a terrible person. Um, I have a Troy Tulowitzki Blue Jays jersey. I think that's still kind of evergreen because he's had good playoff moments and stuff, but it's dicey um, and kind of borderline at best. And then there's, uh, what else do I have? A Dion Phaneuf Maple Leaf jersey. That did not work out. I have a Phil Kessel Maple Leaf jersey. That also did not work out. Jerseys can be dangerous, man. So I would suggest, I also have a Chris Johnson Titans jersey from the last year he played with the team. Also not very good. So I, you got to be careful with jerseys. Jerseys, you can be a little bit more uh, sort of freewheeling with them. And if they get out of date a little early, there's kind of a fun novelty to it anyway. Uh, like my Terrence Ross one I bought like two weeks before he got traded. Uh, I still wear it all the time because Terrence Ross rules. If I was to suggest one of these guys, I think maybe, oof, I think it's Siakam or Van Vliet for me. I think Siakam is going to have a really big season. I think he's going to kind of evolve into a more complete, refined player, more so than maybe Ananobi, as we talked about yesterday on the podcast with Vivek. I think Ananobi's probably due for a little bit of growing pains, and I also think he's probably one of the more obvious guys to get a jersey of right now. He's probably number three behind Kawhi and Kyle, I would guess, as like popular names right now. Uh, just because like Ananobi's a cool name, number three is a good number. Siakam is kind of you know, lagging behind with the number because 43 is kind of a weird number, but uh, I would say go Siakam. 43 is actually cool. Uh, I like the strange numbers, and uh, Siakam's going to be awesome, and I don't think you'll see many people with a Siakam jersey. So that is my pick. Get a Pascal Siakam jersey, and if you can, if I'm going color, get black. You can wear it with anything. You can put a nice cardigan over top. The red is a little tricky because it's hard to match with stuff, um, and it's very stark and bright. So I would go with a black. I have the OVO one. I don't know if they still have those, but if they do, pick that one up because it looks pretty good. If not, just get a regular black. Pascal Siakam, Raptors, Scherzi. You will not be disappointed. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Next one here from Josh Trites at Tritesy. Without a true shop blocker at the rim, do the Raptors still have the right players to make the best defensive five-man unit in the NBA? It's a good question. Uh, I haven't really thought about this in terms of like what the best defensive lineup for the Raptors is just yet. I think it probably features Serge Ibaka at center, although maybe you could get away with Jonas just surrounded by really good wings and like the potential starting five of Kyle, Danny, uh, Kawhi, OG, and Jonas, like that could be one of the best defensive lineups in the entire NBA, just because Jonas wouldn't have to do all that much. He could just kind of hang by the rim, drop back and pick and roll coverage, rely on a lot of switching on the perimeter from those guys, and not really have to be sort of exposed in the way that maybe he has been in years past, although last season they did a really good job of protecting him from you know getting into positions where he was prone to being picked apart. 
Um, I, you know, it's hard to say. I, I don't know how necessary it is to have like a true shot blocker. You know, it, that's kind of a nice thing to have. But you know, there are certain guys who are very good at blocking shots who aren't amazing team defenders. You'll get Hassan Whiteside, for example. Yes, he's a true shot blocker, but he doesn't you know help a defense be good at all. Um, obviously other guys can, but like DeAndre Jordan can be the anchor of a defense. Rudy Gobert can be the anchor of a defense. And if you're looking at the best defensive lineups, like the Jazz with Rudy at center and Ricky Rubio out there with Donovan Mitchell, like that's up there as the best defensive fives. Obviously the death lineup for the Warriors is probably number one in this conversation. The Celtics starting five should be pretty good. Although you take, you know, Kyrie out and put Marcus Smart in, that's probably even better. Yeah, I don't know if the Raptors have the best five-man unit, but I do think they will have the best top-to-bottom roster in terms of just having defensively capable players, um, if that makes sense. And I think they'll have the most good defensive lineups they can throw out there. You, you know, Kawhi can be a defense unto himself. And when you put him with other guys like Danny Green or Kawhi or, or sorry, OG or uh, Pascal, like there's just always going to be a couple of really good defenders on the team uh, on, the, on the floor at all times. And they have good defenders at pretty much every position. Even center, like if Serge plays center, he's more, I think, positioned to be a successful center defensively than he is a power forward these days. So you might see a bit of an uptick for him defensively over what we saw last year if he's playing more as just like a pure backup center. Um, Pascal's a very good defender. DeLon's a very good defender. Kyle and Fred are small, but they're very good defenders for their positions. There's not that much in the way of weaknesses. You know, CJ Miles is probably the only one you would say is an actively negative defender. Jonas is more of a neutral guy. Um, so they're always going to have good lineups on the court. Whether or not they have the best five-man defensive unit, I don't know. But I do think it's very possible. Any lineup that has Danny Green, Kawhi, and OG in it is going to be in the conversation in that uh, short list of the best defensive units available to anybody in the league. So very exciting. Defensively, this team is going to be I'm pretty pumped to uh, see how it all fits together and how they decide to deploy it. And if they're going to you know, change things up from what they did last season, if they're going to switch more, what are they going to do? Are they going to keep it kind of similar conservatively? I don't really know, but I, uh, I'm excited and they're going to be a very good defensive team. Next question, tying into a couple of questions before when I talked about Pascal Siakam. From Darth Lean, what is the appropriate level of hype for Siakam? Because mine is pretty high. Uh, I'm having a hard time containing my excitement for Pascal Siakam as well. I do think you got to kind of factor in, this is a guy who shot like 18% on threes last season on a pretty high volume. And I believe one of the 10 easiest shot charts in terms of difficulty on their shots of anyone in the entire NBA. And he still shot that poorly. So that's always going to be a limiting factor to his upside. But just the amount that's coming out about him this summer. And like, it's so hard to really care about off-season workout videos and hype and muscle watch and all this stuff. But Siakam has been, his name has been talked about so frequently. There have been so many videos, so many workouts that, you know, there's kind of like almost stuff of legends that's been coming up this summer about Siakam. You know, whether it's the Drew League putting up like 30 and 15 or whatever it was in that game that he played down there. I think he had a triple-double actually. And yes, it's the Drew League. Yes, it's a pro-am league, but... Just the stuff that's coming out about him all summer long, it's been so consistent that you can't not be excited and, like, be excited. What the hell? Why the hell not? Why should you tamper it down? I mean, yes, there's uh, – got to be realistic about it, but, like, who's – like, a little optimism going into the season never hurt anybody. And Siakam is definitely worth it, considering the leap he made from year one to year two where – Year one, he was one of the most uh, unplayable rotation players in the league for the first half of the year before he got phased out and wasn't even with the team for the playoffs for the most part. And then, you know, you saw after that, like in his, in his second year, just becoming 
a much more dynamic player who could handle the ball a little bit, run a fast break by himself, get out on his own and sort of lead a fast break and, and catch outlet, outlet passes and stuff like that. And then on defense, just the ability to guard everybody. I mean, he guard John Wall in the playoffs. He guarded Bradley Beal in the playoffs. I mean, it was incredible to watch him do that. And it's just, it's so exciting. You know, he was able to guard LeBron at times last season, although he didn't do particularly well in the playoffs. Um, but just his ability to kind of guard anybody just because he's so fast and so freaky long, um, it's really exciting. He seems like he might be a perfect player for the modern NBA, minus the three-point shooting, and that could still come. He's still very early in the, de- in the development, hasn't been playing basketball for that long. It's very cliche to say, but like these things take time, and the Raptors seem to trust themselves to teach guys how to shoot. So while it's probably not going to be quite the, you know, he's going to come out and be an all-star type player that some people seem to be sort of looking at and, and anticipating for him this season, I do think he's going to be a really useful player. And I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of the year, we're viewing him as like the third best player on the team. Um, you know, there's going to be competition for that, whether it's Jonas or Fred Van Vliet or whoever, but Siakam is just so important to what the Raptors want to do in that bench unit and just his skill set and his profile and just his makeup really kind of scream modern NBA perfect fit. And I'm just so pumped to see him, you know, go out and work. And I, uh, William Liu and Vivek Jacob, our pal, were talking to the Raptors Republic podcast this week about how Siakam might handle the ball more this season. And I think they made the good point, and I totally agree, that you know, if he's handling the ball more, if he's able to do that, that kind of cuts into his deficiencies, almost like a Ben Simmons type thing where his shooting becomes less of a liability if he's the one with the ball in his hands and he's not off the ball and teams can't sag off of him. And, you know, if you have Siakam out there with DeLon Wright, who was a pretty good spot-up shooter last season, you have Fred Van Vliet, who's one of the best shooters on the team, you got uh, CJ Miles out there, maybe Serge Ibaka playing center with the bench unit at times, like, you can have him kind of working with shooters around him with the way that he can drive and finish around the basket. I think he shot about 60% around the rim last year, which, you know, or not around the rim, but like in the paint um, from like eight or 10 feet, he was just dynamite. And he has that little sort of, you know, spin move and sort of weird sort of finger roll-ish layup type thing he does. It's kind of, it's hard to describe. You don't see it all that often, but he does have a lot of moves in there that he's kind of refined over the last year or so. And if he's more of a sort of focal point for the offense on the second unit, I think that could be really exciting. You can see his assist numbers go up. He had a ton of games last season with four, five, six assists. They really started to pile up by the end of the year. Um, and I just think there's a lot that he can do to be just a perfect fit. And like, I don't know, his shooting will have to come all, come along a little bit here, but I wouldn't be opposed to the idea of halfway through the season if things really look good for him, him being the starting four, just pairing him next to Jonas. Obviously, they didn't work in the first season they played together, but Siakam was just so raw and unrefined and didn't really have any notable skills. Um, if he's showing what he did last year to a more heightened degree this season, why not throw him in there as a fourth as the four in the starting five? You have a little bit of extra ball handling to take the load off of Kyle and Kawhi. You have a you know a guy who can kind of you know run a pick and roll with Kawhi, and that becomes a tricky proposition. Are you going to let Siakam go to the go to the rim? Or are you going to let Kawhi pop? Like there's lots of different things here that teams will have to consider. And I think I think Siakam is going to be able to potentially work himself into the conversation for that starting four spot. He hasn't really been in the conversation so far this season, but I would not be stunned if by you know January we're thinking, hey, why isn't he the starting four? And you work out the bench some other way and have OG play the four on the bench or whatever, but. Um, that's kind of where I'm at for Siakam. Be excited because he's a very exciting prospect who uh, did a lot last season, I think, to change a lot of people's minds about him after his first season. The NBA- 
NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, a couple more here. Next one here from RapsFan1237, one of our longtime day one listeners. What are realistic expectations for a line for Danny Green for this season? I am really having a hard time figuring out what Danny Green's role in the team is going to be because I do think people are kind of understating how much he's kind of fallen off the last couple seasons just as a consistent offensive player. He's an amazing defender, and that's going to kind of build in a floor for him that is nice to have, and he's going to be very useful. But, you know, he has not been the most consistent shooter over the last couple seasons after four straight years from 2011 through 2015, where he shot well over 40%. He's been kind of, you know, waxing and waning a little bit the last couple of seasons. 33, 38, 36, um, very similar volumes each year. It may be, you know, a reason it's fallen off is because that Spurs team has fallen off in overall talent a little bit, and maybe he's just not getting the same clean looks that he used to. He's going to get clean looks on this team. I think he's going to fill sort of the OG role of last season where teams are going to be like, okay, let's funnel this to the fifth guy in the, in the, in the totem pole, and I think that's going to be green a lot of the time and maybe he'll just get a ton of wide-open looks, very Siakam-like last year, where the looks that came to him were totally wide open because that's what teams were willing to settle with as opposed to, you know, easy buckets for Jonas at the rim or Kyle pulling up for threes or Kawhi getting whatever he wants. You know, if you can funnel things to Danny Green, it's probably the lesser of all the evils for the Raptors or for opponents of the Raptors. So maybe he'll just get better looks. I, if I was to pencil in like a line... It's so hard to say. I would say maybe like seven and a half points a game, a couple, you know, a steal, uh, maybe an assist. Like I think there's going to be very few opportunities for him to really do a lot of playmaking. So he's averaged 1.6 assists for his entire career. Pretty much that's been what he's averaged for the last six or seven years with the Spurs. I would be kind of surprised if he averaged anything close to that. I think he's going to be kind of the the end point of a lot of the possessions that he's involved in as opposed to setting guys up. Maybe he'll get some swing pass assists here and there, but I think for the most part he's going to be uh, finishing off plays. Rebounds, like he's going to have to help gang rebound a little bit, especially if they start with a small starting lineup. He's going to have to help out there. So if I'm guessing what his line's going to be, like he's been very consistent pretty much over the last... You know, his entire time at the Spurs, really, after his first season there, it's been pretty much the same across the board with some fluctuations in his point totals, but everything else has been kind of steady. And, you know, even the minutes have been right around 26 for the last five or six years. So I would say, I would guess he'll probably play a little fewer minutes than that, so like 22 minutes. So maybe we'll go like six and a half or seven points, three and a half rebounds, uh just under one assist and like a steal a game and then a block a game because he averages a block a game. That's still a really useful player. I think it's going to be awesome to have him on the team and the upgrade that we're about to experience in wing defense over what it was during the DeMar era is going to be profound. But I I do think temper expectations a little bit just because he's, uh, you know, he's kind of been on a decline the last couple of seasons with his shooting. If he can shoot anywhere near like 38, 39% from three, that'd be awesome. A little bit better than last season would be great. Otherwise, like, I think if he kind of goes cold, there could be some time for C.J. Miles in there, maybe even for Norm Powell, because I don't think Danny Green is such a good player that you're like, okay, we have to play him no matter what if he's cold. 
Raptors have enough options where they can say, all right, Danny hasn't hit a shot for a month. Let's try out Norm for a couple games and see what happens. So I don't think his job security will be consistently safe over the course of the year if he's not you know, performing up to snuff. But I think he'll be a useful player for the Raptors to have for sure. All right, let's do a couple quick ones here. This one from uh, Jacob Mack from Raptors HQ. Who's your favorite guy in an Exhibit 10 that the Raptors have got right now? Uh, okay, so the Raptors have four Exhibit 10 players right now. They signed Dang Adele yesterday. I know nothing about Dang Adele. We talked about Kyle Collinsworth earlier this week with Vivek, uh, Kay Felder, and Chris Boucher. I guess by default, I'll just say Chris Boucher because I think he, you know, is a nice skill set. He can kind of shoot a little bit. He's a center who can block shots. Like, that's nice to have. Um, Dang Adele, I don't really know a ton about him. I guess he's a wing, so I don't really see a way for him to really carve out much of a role with the Raptors if he were to make the team at all at a camp. So, I, uh, yeah, I, I think nice depth to have if he plays for the D-League team that's great um, all these guys will be nice fits for the G-League team I'm sure and I'm sure Jamal Malalela will be happy to have them all and we'll do some good work with them but I, uh, Chris Boucher I guess just because of the Canadian aspect and also just because as a center who kind of fills a bit of a Avoid in terms of skills that the Raptors might be lacking in you know if there were ever to be an injury to surge for example I think I'd probably go with Boucher but they're all interesting and I guess Adele as a wing like the size that he is maybe he's the most intriguing overall as a potential type guy but um, I'm not willing to go that far because I don't know that much about him yet so uh, I'll stay Chris Boucher and let's do one more here this one comes from Atul J Surge and Delon for Jimmy Butler yeah or nah um I would say, yeah, that would be awesome because, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler is very good and would be a perfect fit on the team, I think, next to Kawhi and uh, and Kyle. That'd be really good. I don't think the Bulls say yes to that trade, if that's the question here. Trades go both ways, and uh, I don't really see them, you know, jumping all over that deal unless they're completely desperate. If this season goes horribly for the Wolves and they're sitting there with you know, I don't know, a 500 record or so around the trade deadline, and it's not looking particularly good for them. The West is very good. Maybe they try to get something for Butler before he becomes a free agent because it doesn't sound like the relationship there is all that great. Um, so if you can swindle a deal where you can get Jimmy Butler for cheap, like, sure, go nuts. That would be great. If not, uh, you know, just uh, that's fine. <laughs> I think surgeon this Raptors team is going to be very good with or without Jimmy Butler this season and I don't think people should be like building the Jimmy Butler thing up in their head is something that's going to happen I've made jokes about it for sure most things I say are dumb and don't matter um, so don't take anything I say into you know particular account but uh, yeah I, the Wolves will be a team to watch for sure and that Butler situation will be fascinating and and if you can swing a deal for Surge and DeLon for Jimmy Butler like great I, again I don't think the Wolves will take that I think there'll be a bidding war for him um, and maybe a team like the Sixers could jump all over that. That'd be kind of terrifying. Hopefully not. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's happening this season as much as... And But then again, I said like three months ago that there was no way the Raptors were getting Kawhi Leonard. I'm pretty sure on this podcast, I said they're not getting Kawhi. Stop being dumb or something like that. And look who ended up being the idiot. So... Who knows? Maybe they will get Jimmy Butler. I don't know. It'd be kind of it'd be a perfect move for a team that's in a very much win now situation like the Raptors are, considering Kawhi's a free agent and they're kind of trying to you know prove to him, I guess, that this is a viable place to be uh, for winning. So maybe they'll try to pull it off. I don't you know <laughs> I don't bet against Masai doing something crazy, but just the way it lines up, the Raptors don't have a pick to trade now because they owe that pick to the Spurs. I just uh, it doesn't really seem to add up from an asset perspective. If you're uh, unless again the Bulls might be desperate, maybe you can get something. These trades often seem to 
you know, for stars, they often seem to not really have the return that you would expect. So uh, maybe it's possible. I don't really know. That's going to do it for today's show, I think. I'm going to wrap it up here. Thanks so much to everyone who sent in questions. I'm sorry I didn't get to some of them. There were a lot. And I just, uh, like I said, I'm, I got a big ice cream belly right now. And I'm having a hard time maintaining the breath required to record a podcast. So apologies for that. Uh, I'll be back again on Friday with Dan Grant. We're going to dive into my rankings for Raptors HQ, uh, the first 100 players in the ranking every Raptors series. And Dan's going to pick it apart because Dan likes to pick things apart and give me a hard time. So he's going to join me. That's going to be great. I'm very much looking forward to that. And then next week, we'll continue on with our preseason questions episode. We have four of those done right now. Talked about Jonas last week. Talked about the Raptors summer vacations with Katie Heindel last week as well. This week, we talked about OG Ananobi. We also talked about who's who's going to start for the team. So if that interests you, check out earlier Monday or I guess Tuesday and Wednesday's podcast from this week. So lots of stuff for you to check out. And we'll be back uh, Friday and then a full slate of daily shows next week as we really get close to media day. We're like a week and a half away. It's so exciting. I can't wait. So yeah, we'll talk to you tomorrow and uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, review to the podcast on iTunes. It's the best way to support the show as always. And hearing the feedback from you guys really does help me, you know, shape the show and make it better and cut out things that suck and try to limit my run on sentences, which that's a futile effort, but at least I can try. Um, And uh, so yeah, please rating and review. It's takes two seconds it's free and it's very helpful so thanks in advance for taking the time and we'll be back again on friday with another episode of locked on raptors have a good night everybody hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today